continuing our studies in Acts, and I'm just going to read the first uh, 12 verses in Acts. This co- I was preaching in Daniel 7 this morning. This could not be more, dif- more different. I mean, it's kind of, I, I'm feeling a bit schizophrenic because you've had to be in one space, and now I'm in a completely another space. But this is really brilliant tonight, so I hope you're as excited about this as I, I have been. Uh, Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to serve, um, uh, sorry, one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, uh, a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. Each day he, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg uh, from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. I just want to stop there at that point because one of the things that, I don't know if you've a bit like me, when, when I travel from the rail station, Waverley station, up to a, a, a um, community church, Edinburgh, um, in, in Middleton, you know, going up to South Clark Street, you literally, as you go up the flesh market steps, you go across the Royal Mile, you actually pass hundreds of, of, of people begging, don't you? And, and, and it's really hard. Now, now my... Uh, um, response has been to almost look the other way and 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 because you I kind of feel embarrassed I mean if I had money I'd be broke by the time I got to the end of the Royal Mile anyway but it's just but I've just wondered what the Christian response to that should be and and here and and I was hearing somebody speak the other the other day uh, on television about about what the worst part about being a big issue seller what the worst part about being a beggar was and it was that people looked the other way and, and I think the very least we can do is look at people yes. and, and, and say, actually, you count. You're somebody. You're not a nobody. And, th- and that really... Re- so I've made it a point now, and I find it very difficult with my eyes, but I make it a point now to try and look people in the eyes and, and, and not to dismiss them as non-person. I want them to know that I might not have money to give them, but they <laughs> are somebody, and they count, and they matter. Uh, sorry, that's a complete aside, but uh, but I think it's I- important. So Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, "Look at us." So he didn't just look at him; he said, "Look at us." The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Well, you would, wouldn't you? But Peter said, "I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk." Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. So he didn't just speak it out. He actually had the faith to reach out. And, and, he, and he's got that picture of him pulling the man to his feet. And as he did, that was when the miracle took place. The man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And what was his response? Oh, that's jolly nice. Oh, thank you. He walked, uh, he jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I mean, most undignified, really embarrassing. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. Uh, And when they realised it was a lame beggar that they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade. Uh, where the man was holding on tightly to Peter and John. And verse 12, Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love Peter. Just, let's just get in there straight away. Let's, let's just get in and address the crowd. I love it. Um, I, I just 
go to one and make, I'm going to go, I don't know how long I've got, but, but David will signal to me when it's time to finish. Um, but I'm just going to go through the points in this story one at a time, um, it, because there are some amazing things coming out of this story. The, the first thing is that uh, I just love Peter and John. You know, recently Jesus had just, you know, been crucified, he's, he's gone. But here they are actually faithfully in, in fulfilling spiritual disciplines. So they were going for three o'clock prayer service. Now, I'm, I'm pretty... Um, devout Christian, I think. And, you know, I, I like to think I pray regularly, but, but quite honestly, I think rarely have I ever been to a three o'clock in the afternoon prayer service. But, but I think these guys were, 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 were following that, that pattern of morning, midday or afternoon and evening prayers. They, they, they developed a habit of, of walking with God. And Peter and John were going to the temple to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And like Daniel... They, they, they were in that place, you know, where Daniel prayed three times a day? Like Daniel, they were in that place of regularly, their relationship with God was regularly. Everything they, they, they did flowed out of their relationship with God. And I think that was really, really important. Uh, and, 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 and they saw things what, what, that, that happened, and they continued that regular habit of, habit of prayer. And I think that's a good instruction for us. You know, I used to, as a young Christian, look at people preaching amazing sermons. I used to see these people have uh, wonderful prophetic words and people, see people heal people and think, wow, that's amazing. And actually, it, it took a long time to realise that, that that came out of a, a, of a, of a regular relationship with God. It, it, it didn't, didn't just happen. Um, and the second thing I want us to notice is that, that they were prepared to be interrupted. And this is of particular importance for, for us as busy Christians. You know, prayer is really important. You know, I mean, this, they, they were going to, to, to meet with God. Nothing perhaps was more important, right? But they were prepared to be interrupted. And it's easy to get so fixated on our own ideas and plans and our own agenda that we often miss God's distractions. Uh, I, I remember I, I got into trouble for this, so please forgive me for, for telling this story. But uh, a number of years ago, I was in Coventry with Youth for Christ. Uh, I used to be young once. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and it, they had an open-air cocktail bar and an open-air meeting. And there was this guy with learning difficulties. Um, just, it was like pestering me all the time. And, and all the time, I was trying to get rid of him because there, was, you know, there were all these important people that, that needed to be told about Jesus. And I just saw him as a complete distraction. And he kept, and, and, he, and it was really, it wasn't just a complete distraction, but it was a really embarrassing distraction because he would shout and make noises and, 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 and think I was his friend. And I was just getting a bit sort of, so to really to get rid of him, I, I gave him a little cartoon book. I think it was produced by Scripps Union or, or, or Youth for Christ, which was How to Come to Jesus. And it was in a cartoon story, How to Come to Jesus. So I gave it to him and, and he, he went off so delighted that he'd been given a book. The very next day, he comes, he's, he's, he's there, he spots me across the churchyard and he's coming straight for me. And he said, I've done it, I've done it. I said, what have you done? You know, he said, oh, go on. He said, do you know? I said, no, I don't know. What have you done? I've done it. I said, what have you done? Thinking he killed somebody. He said, you know, I've, I've prayed the prayer. What? And this distraction... I'd taken this cartoon book that I'd take, really just given to get rid of him. He'd gone home, read it, and given his life to Jesus. And his mum came up to me and wanted to thank me for giving him so much time. And do you know what the haymaker was? His mum had also prayed the prayer and come to Jesus. God's distractions. 
You know, we sometimes miss out on what God's doing. And I think one of the ways not to miss out on what God's doing is to get in that regular habit of being in relationship and fellowship with God. And this is not a guilt trip because it's fun. It, it, it really is. And, and the third thing I want to say, this is a 7.7, by the way. Just uh, uh, the, the third thing I, 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 I want to, to say is, is this, that, that they, they knew what they didn't have and what they couldn't do. Peter and John knew what they didn't have and what they couldn't do. Uh, uh, as a young man, my problem, I think, as a young Christian was arrogance. I saw other people thinking, and I thought I could do everything. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I could see myself, you know, Billy Graham and Keith Short. <laughs> or actually Keith Short and Billy Graham, you know. <laughs> I, you know I, I, and, and I really love that Philippians 4 verse 13 passage. You know, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You know, yeah, woo, I can do everything. Woo. But of course... I was never going to be a world-famous preacher. I was never going to beat the four-minute mile. Because I think what that verse means is that I can do all things that Christ Jesus called me to do. Because that verse is in the context of Paul talking about, I know what it is to have nothing, and I know what it is to have plenty. And in all things, I found God's strength. And that really spoke to me. That we can do all things that God has called us to do. Nobody else can do the things that God has called you to do. You, you, you need to know that. And, um, and, and just a complete distraction now, not, not in the passage, but I, I, just as we were worshipping, I just had this real sense that God was saying to me that, that I need to tell somebody that he, here tonight, and I don't know who it is, but he, he will turn your tears of sorrow into tears of gladness. And that, that, that somebody tonight that you've been, you felt spiritually lame you felt spiritually crippled and I've sensed God saying that uh, your tears of sorrows will be turned into tears of joy but you'll be walking and leaping and praising God and I think that's a wonderful promise for somebody and if that's you tonight I'd love you to make yourself known to me after the service because I'd love to to pray for you so I can do all things who 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 through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I remember, I think I've told this story before, I remember the very first person I play, prayed for um, who was sick. He was a guy called John Barron. Uh, he was actually an undertaker, which was a bit of an irony. And, uh, and he'd been given three months to, to, to live. And, and literally about a month before he was due to die, my, my, myself and his pastor, we went and prayed with him. And he, he, he was a, a real man of faith but had no expectation of healing. They'd never actually had anybody pray for healing. And I'd never prayed for anybody to be healed before. But all I know is as, as we prayed and we began to invite God's presence into the room, the, the room w- was filled with God's presence. Uh, and, and his wife and daughters began to cry. But it wasn't the tears of fear or bereavement. It was the tears of something about the warmth of God's presence. And... When I left Yeovil seven years after that event, John Barron was still, still alive. Mm-hmm. And, and God completely healed him of cancer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he died of something else in the end, but, but God completely healed him of cancer. And yeah, I remember then the next person I prayed with, full of confidence, full of faith, hey, this is easy, Woo-hoo, I can do this. They died. And, and, the, and there's a real lesson there for me in that, I, I can do all things that Christ Jesus calls me to do. It's important to know what we can't do as well as what we can do. It's important to know what we haven't got as well as what we have got. And, and I think it's important to know that actually on our own we can do nothing in one sense. And it's, it's only Christ that gives us strength. 
and, and gives us the ability to do that. And, and fourthly, the, the, they, although they knew what they couldn't do, they knew what Jesus could do. And I love that about this. They, they, they knew that there was nothing impossible for Jesus. I, I just, you know, um, and that they knew it wasn't them, but it was the Holy Spirit. And here is a really important thing in the passage. We, we, we might have missed it so easily um, as, as they, as they, the, before they healed the man. Um, they, 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 in the name of Jesus, it says in, in verse 6b, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I think it's so important that we learn to pray right. And one of the things we need to do as Christians, we pray not in our own authority, but we pray in the authority that Jesus has given us, so those are sent people. So it's really important, I think, to pray in the name of Jesus. That's the name above all other names. That's where we get our authority from. Not anything good within me, not anything big with me. I, I heard John Wimber, I had the privilege of hearing John Wimber speak, and he was such a humble man, and, and, and it, he was very, very clear. And he, I think, had seen more healings than anybody else I'd ever met, but he was very, very clear that he could heal no one. But he, all he was doing was being obedient to God and, and it was the Holy Spirit who was bringing the healing. And, and now point five, have I got time to go on to point five? Yes, we have, we've gone to point five. Now point five, the response, I, I, I love this, the response w- 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 was praise and worship. You know, walking and leaping and praising God. You know, praise, I think, is the language of a people who are thankful. That's why I, 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 I really upset people sometimes, but I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm not that sorry. But, um, I, I cannot understand Christians full of joy where their joy is so deep down in their heart. I just wish I'd let their face know sometimes. <laughs> you, 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 you know, I, I really do. I, I just, we've, we, we have been given so much. And, and God is so good, isn't he? And why do we say, oh, thank you, Jesus, oh, quite nice, you know, be quite middle class, we might raise one hand, but no, not two, that's just a bit, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying not to offend people, but, but please, let's at least be a bit expressive in our thank, if God has, we've got a God to be thankful for, let's at least show it, Amen. you know, I mean, I, I think so, we're, we're just so middle class and worried about what other people might think, worship and praise is the natural response of a thankful people. Your children know it, don't they? Yeah. You know, give a child a gift and, and it was, oh, that's quite nice. <laughs> oh, thanks, that's brilliant. So the response, I think, to, and I don't think we're thankful enough uh, as Christians. I, I certainly am not. I certainly forget to thank God so much, so often for the things he's done. Sixthly, you see, I'll try to just be very simple tonight. Worship, this is, worship without witness is hypocrisy, I believe. Um, verse 12, immediately, you know, uh, a crowd gathered because of commotion. The man was being quite, um, you know, not middle class, quite, you know, and, and he was, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and every, so naturally a crowd, uh, and Peter saw his opportunity. Peter never won to miss an opportunity and began to explain, and, and the second half of Acts 3 is Peter's sermon, and, and it's brilliant. Um, this Jesus who you rejected, you know, the one you crucified. This is the one we're talking about. And he addressed the crowd. And, and it's not in the passage, but I, I, I want to speak on it very, very, very briefly. Just keep an eye on time. Okay, that's right. I want to speak on it very, very briefly. In John 4, verses 23 and 24, we see Jesus in, in a conversation with the woman at, at the well, um, telling her 
that a time is coming when people will worship and the word is in spirit and in truth. And not just on this mountain, but will worship in spirit and in truth. And, and I, I think actually worship and spiritual warfare go hand in hand. I, I, I really do. I, I think praise, praising God genuinely causes the enemy to flee. Yeah. I don't think he can stand it. And, and I think he trembles when God's people are praising. I think he trembles when God's people are thankful because they're giving God the praise that he's due. And, and I think it creates an ap- atmosphere that's ripe for people to come to faith. I see it time and time again. You know, worship on the streets it has been tremendously effective over the years. I'm old enough to have been very involved in, in the Graham Kendrick um, March for Jesus. Remember that? Anybody old enough to remember that? It was incredible. The people actually came to faith on the streets. You know, I mean, uh, I, I was just, it's, it's amazing. And, and, and the turning, they, they tell me the turning. Uh, Yinka would say the secret source. I don't like his ter- terminology, but he said the secret source is that we have praise and worship before we ever go on the streets. Uh, uh, but, but, it, but listen to me here. It's not a technique. It's not a technique. No. Worship is a lifestyle. Yeah. Thankfulness is a lifestyle. It's not just about meetings. It's about life. The most effective Christians I know are worshippers. And that's how Paul could say in Philippians 4 verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. And just departing as I finish from this passage in Acts 3, we're going to leap forward to Acts chapter 16 uh, just to really earth this final point that I want to make tonight. Uh, Acts 16, those of you who know about Acts 16, we've got Paul and Silas stuck in a Philippian jail. Interesting that Paul would write that to the Philippian church and here are Paul and Silas stuck in a, a Philippian jail. And what were they doing at midnight, it tells us in Acts 16, verse 25 to 31. At midnight, they were in prison praising God. Now, there are two things wrong with that for me. Firstly, that they were in jail, not in a good situation praising God. Secondly, at midnight. Now, I don't take myself seriously after 10 o'clock at night. I don't know about you. But the thought of praising God at midnight is not something that fills me with joy, I have to say. But that's just me, um, sinful man that I am. But here they were praising God at midnight in the very worst of circumstances. The earthquake comes, the wall falls down, and, and you know the rest is history. The result of that praise and worship meeting in a prison cell was a flipping jailer and all his family became Christians and his whole household became Christians, and the church was birthed in Philippi. I believe, and I'm so glad that you're doing healing on the streets. I'm so glad that you're taking the worship out of the buildings or onto the streets. You see, people in Bowness are not queuing up at the doors until we get our preaching and our worship right before they come in. People in Bowness need to know the good news, and they need to have the good news demonstrated. And we can only demonstrate the good news when we begin to shift some of these powers and principalities in heavenly realms. And we do that not by getting all, all pious and thinking we can do it in our own strength, because we can't. We do that by proclaiming the name of Jesus, by being thankful people by lifting our voices in praise and being unashamed and unabashed about the God in whom we believe. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed that Jesus has saved you and neither should any of us be because we worship a God who actually deserves our unashamedness. Amen? I think I've said enough. But I want to pray for a few earthquakes in this place. I want to pray that as a result of our praise and worship, and not just ours, but other Christians in this community, other churches in this community, that the atmosphere in Bowness will shift and we're going to see many, many people come to faith. Amen?
And I just believe that some of you will have the joy of leading them to faith. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's stand, shall we? Let's just spend a, a, a few moments, if that's okay with you, Jane. Sorry, I've kind of taken over here a wee bit. Let's just spend a few moments. Maybe God has spoken to you tonight through just a very simple message. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I just sense tonight that God wants to speak to people individually here. When was the last time you had the joy of praying with somebody? When was the last time you had the joy of sharing your faith? When was the last time you thanked God for what he'd done and what he'd given you? Father, I pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would fall in this place. Father, I pray tonight that we <coughs> would be those that know what it is to walk and leap and to praise God. To be so thankful that we just can't keep quiet. Father, thank you for the people in this room tonight. Father, thank you that that's all it takes to win this community for Jesus. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'll use each and every one of us. Father, I want to pray specifically for the person who that word is for, that their, their tears of joy will be turned into tears. Sorry, their tears of sorrow will be turned into tears of joy. Father, I want to pray for the people who have feel, feel crippled. You may not, not physically crippled, but you just feel crippled either it's, it's emotionally or, or you just feel so bound up. Father, I want to pray tonight that you will set captives free, that prison walls will fall down around people's lives and that lives will be set free in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and do that because that's your heart. You long to see people break out of the prison, break out of prisons of the enemy's making, prisons where we've been told that we're no good, prisons where we've been told that we, we, we can't do anything, prisons of our own embarrassment and shame. Lord, I want to pray that these barriers of shame will be broken now in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, would you release your lovely presence and fragrance upon us tonight so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as Sally leads us in that song, I, I don't know what your practice is here. Well, I do really, but we're, we're going to... It's just an opportunity. Why don't you come and get prayer tonight? I don't care if everybody comes to get prayer, but let's just come and get prayer tonight. There'll be people here to pray with you, and it may be God's spoken to you in some way, and I just make that invitation tonight. Just come and receive prayer. Thank you. Thanks, Sally. <laughs>